to uh, deliver the lesson to my brothers and sisters. And as I always say, it doesn't matter what lesson they give me, when they give me, it always seems to step on my toes. And so, of course, my ability to deliver it is to get you to understand it the way it hit me. Today's lesson is entitled The Awe Factor. And I know many of you looked at it on the paper and was like, okay, what is this? The awe factor. Well, of course, we are keeping in line with our lessons for the past few weeks in reference to following Jesus. But one of the things I think about in following Jesus and uh, the, the scriptures that I was given is that we all have an awe factor. When we say the term awe, we're talking about that excitement we have whenever we see something, whenever we experience something. And that excitement dictates our behavior and our actions. And so we all have an awe factor. Now, I want to start the lesson off going to Matthew chapter 18, verses two through four. And one thing that you guys know about me and that I love about the Bible is that the Bible is very psychological. And when we talk about psychology, it boils down to three things. The way we think dictates how we feel, which dictates how we act. And if you want to change someone's actions, You have to go all the way back and change how they think. In Matthew chapter 18, we're going to read verses two through four. It's Jesus talking. He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest In the kingdom of heaven. The awe factor. See, one thing we understand uh, as little kids, they have a high degree of awe factor. Everything excites them. If you have babies or been around babies, you can excite them with the simple peekaboo. You cover up your face. Where'd they go? But as soon as you reveal and say peekaboo, you see the emotion that they have, the excitement. You could take a pair of keys and jingle them and they get excited and they start to grow a little bit older, still little kids, elementary school age. And even before then, there are certain uh, mythical characters that they have a great belief in. I'm not going to destroy anything for anyone, but you understand where I'm going with that one. And the awe factor whenever something is happening with this character is tremendous among them. And see, with this awe factor, the higher the degree, the more likely we are to not let anyone interfere with us connecting with that. We are not to use an excuse that somebody else blocked me from getting there. See, as we get older, we start to have this thing that uh, I'm a little bit too intelligent to have that degree of awe. So everything has an explanation. And if I can't explain it, then you know what? I just let it go. And and, and you know what? I'm not going to believe it. See, one of the uh, most famous magicians of our time is David Copperfield. And I remember, yes, I was watching the Oprah Winfrey show at this time. David Copperfield was on putting on one of his presentations. And in the presentation, he was on stage and he eventually went behind uh, a partition. But you could still see his silhouette. Well, the silhouette started to do a lot of different things, and eventually a light explosion occurred. The silhouette disappeared and the partition fell down, and David Copperfield was in the balcony. 
standing on top of a fan with lights and it was giving that effect that he was flying. And I mean, when I saw this, I like, wow, that was amazing. But I know it's a trick. About six months later, I happened to go see David Copperfield. And when he got on stage, he got ready to perform that trick. And I thought back and said, you know what? It is a trick and I'm going to catch him. So, of course, as he was behind the partition doing his little thing, everyone's facing the stage. I turned around. (laughs) I said, I'm going to catch him. Well, of course, when the light explosion came, the partition fell down. I saw two to three guys run in from the balcony door and they had someone covered up with a black tarp. And they ran him in and the guy stood on top of the fan that then came on and the light came. And when the explosion ended, he stood like this and everybody turned Whoo! in amazement. And I was like, Mm-mm, I figured it out. I saw you run in. <laughs> because we get to be a certain age that we go, there is an answer for everything. But do you know magicians existed way back in the Old Testament? When Moses went to Pharaoh. And said, God wants you to free his people. And God allowed Moses to perform miracles. The purpose of these miracles was to show the power of God. But what did Pharaoh do? He went to his magician, come on and do the same thing. And no matter what they did, God's power was greater. But magicians existed back then. Answers to the tricks existed back then. And as we get older, our awe factor Starts to decrease. We would never say that verbally. But it shows in our behavior. It shows in our actions. A couple of weeks ago, Jim taught a lesson in dealing with the feeding of the 5,000. Where Jesus took five loaves of bread and two fish and fed 5,000 people that were scattered in groups of 150. And at the end of eating, when the disciples came to gather all the leftovers, there were over 11 baskets. There's no explanation for this, but the power of God. And to be in the midst of that or to understand God and to hear that type of miracle. It should have a high awe factor with us, meaning it should dictate our behavior towards God, our action towards God. And we shouldn't let anything interfere with that because this is power. Today's lesson is taking from Mark chapter 7, verses 24 through 37. See, one of the things that Jim got us to understand is that when we go back to the Old Testament, there was the Jews and there were the Gentiles. The Jews were considered the chosen one. The Gentiles pretty much got what's left over, which, of course, is defined in the lessons that we're talking about, clean and unclean. Jesus came to save all. There is no separation. So the miracles that you see being performed by Jesus is a sign for all, whether you're considered Jew or Greek, clean or unclean. In the first parable or the first example that is given in our reading, it is in um, Luke chapter seven. We're going to read verses twenty seven through thirty. And this was a miracle in reference to the Seraphonician woman. The Seraphonician woman came to Jesus because she had a need. And in starting our reading at verse 27, 
Jesus says, first, let the children eat all they want. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied. But even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. The way this woman answered. It shows her faith because she wasn't necessarily talking about the dogs. She was talking about being as looked at as the unclean, the unchosen, that you are so great. I am willing to sit back and take the crumbs of what you have. And how do we know this? Because if you go to Matthew and Matthew's version, chapter 15, that same example is given about the little dogs eating from the table. It represents what was considered unclean, the unchosen, the Gentiles versus the Jews. And her response was that you are so great. I am willing to take the crumbs. But here's the awe factor. Jesus removed the demon from her daughter. The next verse says that as she went home, that means Jesus was not there with her. And she saw her daughter and the demon was gone. Jesus removed this demon. It was nowhere near the daughter. Now, of course, that is an awe factor moment because there's only one explanation of that. And that's the power of God. And to hear something like that, to see something like that, to be around something like that. I just have to get as close to God as I can. And I won't let anyone be an excuse for me not to do it. That's an awe factor. But when we hear miracles such as this. And even though we don't say it. It doesn't hit us like it would a child. It doesn't affect us like it would a child because of the awe factor. Then we got to turn back to ourselves. And find out how can I get my awe factor where it needs to be. Therefore, my actions and behaviors will be where they need to be. The next miracle that comes up in the reading. Is when Jesus heals a man. Of his deafness and being mute. Now, this comes from uh, our, our chapter. We're reading verse 33, still in Mark chapter seven, going to verse 35. And the scripture tells us that after he took him aside away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ear. Then he spat and touched the man on his tongue. He looked up to the heavens and with a deep sigh, he said, Ephaphatha. Ephaphatha means open. And when he did that, the scripture says that the man's ears were open and his tongue was loosened and he began to speak plainly. See, this is an individual that wasn't called from the crowd. You know how magicians do that all the time. I need a volunteer and everybody raised their hand hysterically wanting to get on stage and they always select somebody thinking, man, I just wasn't lucky because that person is a part of the act. And you're not. And when they do whatever they do to that person, people are like, oh, that's great. But that person was a part of the act. This man was not a part of the act because many people knew him. 
and knew for his life he was deaf and he was mute. And the miracle that Jesus created was considered a reversal. Took something that everybody knew and changed it. And this man was able to hear and this man was able to speak. And the only explanation you can have for that is the power of God. But yet our awe factor has decreased. Now, I know many of you are probably sitting back saying, why does he keep saying our awe factor has decreased? I'm here. I believe in God. I'm doing all I can. But not just here at Sunset, but in congregations all over the world, attendance is dropping. When events are held, participation is decreasing. And some of the main excuses you hear about this is because I don't like the song leader. I don't care for the preacher, those elders, those deacons. And those are excuses because our awe factor has dropped. If your awe factor is high, then you're not going to let anyone be an excuse from you doing what God wants you to do. I want to serve him because he is almighty and all powerful. That means, Paul, I don't care what you do to me. I'm still here. I said that Paul's a friend of mine. Don't think anything happened. Huh? Some of y'all look back. What did Paul do to him? <laughs> the thing is, we can't have these excuses because all they are are things to fool ourselves. And at the end of the day, we're actually hurting ourselves. God can easily snap his fingers and we could all become robots. But he didn't do that. He did something much more difficult. He left it up to us. You know, we know these old sayings and finish it off because I know you know it as well. You can lead a horse to water, but. Not unless that horse decides it wants to drink. God has set the table for us. God has shown us all his power, all his ability. And I guarantee there's still more. But it's still up to us. To make that decision. See, when we go back into the first chapter that we read earlier, the first verse, that's Matthew chapter 18, verses 2 through 4. There are some key terms I'm going to bring up in there. And it says, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. Unless you change. Not unless God changes, not unless God snaps his finger. But to whoever is reading, unless you, I, we change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, just like with Nicodemus, when God, when Nicodemus asked the question, what must me do? What must I do to be saved? Jesus responded and said, you must be born again. Well, Nicodemus, like any human being, would say, how can I be born again when I'm already born? I'm older because it's psychological. When Jesus tells us we must become his little children, it's not physically become a little child again. But it's about that awe factor. There are many other things that it's about, but it's that awe factor, that excitement we have for God. That excitement we have that we don't let anyone interfere with my connection with God. 
So when we start to use excuses, well, the reason why I don't go is because and we blame other people. We're actually showing signs that our off factor has decreased because I let somebody else get in the way of me serving the greatest there ever is. So the question comes out, then how can I increase my off factor? How can I get back where I was? How can I get to where I should be? Well, I'm glad you asked that question, Paco. Because not only is this answer for everyone, but it was the same answer for me. Because as I say, I have struggles just like everyone else. I have difficulties just like everyone else. And I found myself using excuses for not doing what I know I should be doing. And so I had to step on my own toes. And when I look in that mirror and I practice my lesson, I had to talk to me. And now I have to do something about it. But one of the number one things that we can do to increase or bring back the awe factor we used to have is get ourselves into God's word. Now, I understand we show up here on Sundays and, you know, we don't carry Bibles anymore because everything's on our cell phone. So many of us have our uh, Bibles on the cell phone, but you're not pulling out your cell phone. We show up on Wednesdays because it's Bible class. If we show up, it's during the week. It's a rough time. Some people don't come. It's raining. It's dark, whatever the case may be. And we expect it to be enough. We have to get into the word. You know, for those of you that are technologically inclined, which is not me, there's an app that you can have on your phone that every morning it sends you a new scripture. And some people go, oh, I got that app. Because guess what? I got it too. But do I actually read that scripture every morning? Do I actually try to live my life with that scripture as a part of me through that day? Do I actually go into prayer about that scripture and how it uh, equates to me? No. Well, maybe that's a change to get my awe factor where it needs to be. Do you know in our bulletins that there are... Daily scriptures in there. Daily study. Opportunities in there. But the question is not to answer to me, but to yourself. How many times are we going through that? See, one thing I've learned. Is that I can fill up my gas tank. But eventually it's going to deplete itself. And if I don't refill it, then my car is of no use. The bank account. It may have a certain level of funds in it, but if I don't put any in, it's going to deplete itself. And we can understand this in our day to day activities and so forth. But when it comes to our spirituality, we tend to believe that the tank can be empty and I'm still all right. I'm still all right, even though I'm not putting anything into it. And our excuse will be because they because he. Because she. That's our off factor decreasing. And honestly, when I realized that it, it became scary to me. Because you can read throughout the entire Bible and see miracles that God is responsible for. And they don't even hit like they should hit. They don't affect like they should affect. Why? Because we've gotten older and without saying it. 
There has to be a reason for it. There has to be a trick. Something had to happen. Maybe these people are just writing stories. We've come up with excuses to show that our off factors decrease. There is none other that is more powerful than God. And we know this. God can do anything. And we know this. But as we've gotten older. Our mind frames have changed and we've decreased the power of God. And then we wonder why our congregations get smaller. We wonder why our participation isn't as high as it used to be or once was. Jesus tells us that each one of us have to make that change. Each one of us have to find the pathway to be able to have the actions and the behavior that resemble our father. And if we sit back waiting on someone else to do this, we may actually lose the greatest gift that there will ever be. And see, this is the hardship that I face. Because I know my awe factor has decreased. And over the week, I've been thinking about what excuses have I been using? It could be family. It could be friends. It could be situations that haven't worked out for me in the business world, in my personal life. But it's always something else and has never been the true answer, which is myself. If I want my R factor to change, then I have to change. I need to get myself more involved in what God wants me to do. I have to fill up my tank. And when I fill it up, God will take care of it. Maybe in increasing my R factor, maybe some other situations in my life will change as well. I had a friend of mine who's going through a very difficult situation. Ended up rolling his car. A number of times. He doesn't even remember it because when he finally came to, he was in a helicopter being airlifted to Jackson Hospital. He. I don't want to say broke his neck because, you know, if you break your neck, that's done, but he uh, severely injured his neck and his spinal cord is damaged. And as I visit him at the hospital. He kept saying and blaming it. On other people. He blamed it on his wife. He blamed it on his kids. He blamed it on everything else that was happening in his life. And the strange thing is, when I heard someone else say this, I knew the right answer. And I told him, maybe you're in this bed because God wants you to change your thought process. Maybe you're in this bed because God has been knocking on your door and you haven't been answering. So he knocked even harder. And it's amazing how we always have answers for everyone else. But never for ourselves. Because I stood in the mirror. And I said those same things. And I finally had to be true to myself. Maybe God's trying to get your attention, Randy. Maybe that's why such and such hasn't gone the way it needs to. Maybe that's why things haven't worked out the way I wanted them to. One, because it's not my plan. And maybe he's just trying to get me to come back home. 
to get my R where it used to be and where it needs to be and to continue to grow, grow from there. So trust me, when I say that these lessons step on my toes. They do. Over the past couple of weeks. I've been extremely emotional. Because I lost my awe factor. And it was decreasing. And I could see it. In my involvement with my family. And my involvement with church. Yet I thought I was losing it because it's just something else bad that's happening to me. But Jesus said, I have to change. And unless I change. God's not going to snap his finger and make it all better, even though he has the power to do that. Question is, what am I doing? And as I give that lesson to myself, the question goes back to you. What are you doing? Maybe you are filling up a seat right now. But maybe you were the reason that other seats aren't being filled. Maybe there was an altercation or something that you did. Or maybe just the other person using you as an excuse. None of us are perfect. I tell my students in college, I say, you know what? I have a goal. And I came up with this goal uh, about a, a couple years ago to be better today than I was yesterday. Yet be better tomorrow than I am today. I am telling myself that I have to change. I am not perfect and I may not ever be perfect, but I can be better than what I am. And although God will help me. I have to make the choice. How can our congregation be better? Not because of the elders, not because of the deacons, but because of every single individual in here. We all make the choice. There's an old saying that uh, we're only as strong as our weakest link. Every one of us represent that link. What are we doing to the strength of this congregation? What are we doing to the strength of getting the word out there to God? And if our plan is to wait on someone else, it might not ever happen. So I come to you asking prayers for me. No matter what titles I have. No matter what things I do, I am still not perfect. And I need prayer and I know it. But I also need to make a change in my life. You may have been coming to this congregation for the past 20, 30 years and you've gotten comfortable. But you may need prayers, too. But nothing is going to change until each one of us make that decision. As we prepare to sing our song of invitation. I'm promised right now. I don't know what's going to happen the next hour. But if I got a chance to make it right right now then I need to start right now because tomorrow is not promised. And I don't want anything to affect my going home to God because there is no alternative. And because there's no alternative, I'm not going to let any individual affect how I should treat God because he's already given me everything and he's teaching me lessons. Even today, it's up to me to open my ears and stop being deaf and listen. I ask that if that's the same situation for you. Then don't be afraid. 
Just come up and ask for prayers as our elder will take your response when you come up and we will all pray together and continue in prayer. Because we're all looking to get home. We all have the same goal and we're following the same ultimately powerful God. So let's help one another and not be afraid to ask for help. I thank you guys for your time. As we together stand, let us sing our song of invitation.